Good evening, everybody. It's great to see you tonight. Thank you for coming back this evening and a beautiful day here in Alaska and middle of fish season and all of that. Thank you so much for being here. It's one of my highlights, really, um, really in my travel ministry. It's the highlight of my year. I'm privileged to travel several places to several countries. I'm humbled in that. But uh, this, I used to say I loved to go to Texas until I came to Alaska. Now, don't you tell my Texas friends that, okay? Because I'm going to Texas pretty soon, so. But I love Texas, but I love Alaska. But more importantly, I love you all in this church. I have a heart connection with it, and I'm just so excited about what God is doing and uh, humbled just to be a teeny tiny part of that. You know, tonight we've had, uh, we've had uh, incredible worship, a testimony that's absolutely phenomenal about a family, um, high-powered exhortational preaching from your pastor. There's not much left, you know? I just can't think of much of anything else we can do tonight. I just maybe you want, you want to do one of those over tonight? I, no. Um, I want to take just a moment tonight and share with you um, something I believe the Lord uh, is deposited in my spirit just for tonight, for here. And really, I'm going to introduce the subject. And Pastor, I think I have I'm close enough to you that I could say. I think the Lord wants you to mine this a little bit, dig in it, uh, draw more out of it. I'm just going to lay a, a groundwork tonight, but I believe it's something that you as a church family uh, are going to need in a greater way. We all need it in a greater way, but um, I, I believe it's, I'm just going to, I'm just going to make a, a deposit and introduce this tonight. Um, I FaceTimed my wife this afternoon right before I came. She said, you get any rest this afternoon? I said, nope. <laughs> now, I've been studying all afternoon since I got back to the cabin. And uh, because the Lord, um, the Lord's been speaking something new to me for the church tonight. And, uh, you know, I love, when I travel, I love to preach exhortational messages. Uh, messages that really lift up and build and all of that. Some people have said my basic motivation as a teacher, I don't know if those two, two people are right or wrong, but, but tonight I'm really going to share more in a teaching format. And we've had about everything but that tonight, so maybe that'll fill in. I want you to turn to John 15 tonight, verses 4 through 8. By the way, we have a saying in the South. We have a lot of sayings in the South. We have a lot of sayings. And you kind of got to be in the South to understand them. But uh, we have a saying that says, you ain't right. And so I just have to say to y'all tonight, you ain't right. And what I mean by that is there's a way that some people say you ought to have church. And it's not what you've done tonight. And I would encourage you, don't ever get right. Don't, don't ever, don't ever get right. Always be passionate. That's your edge. 
That's what's going to slice open Alaska. That's what's going to penetrate the darkness. People that ain't right, but people that are right with God and pursue a right God with passion and encouragement and unabated worship and the love for God. That's what this world needs. And you got it. Don't ever get right. John 15, 4 through 8. Holy Spirit, I pray that over the next few moments you'll help me to be precise and concise with everything I say. I know, I know Lord, that you're just having me to deposit this tonight. And from here, it's, you're going to take it, develop it, grow, and give revelation. And I thank you for it. I pray that every person here will have an attentive heart, that their ears will be open to hear what you're saying while I'm talking. In Jesus' name, amen. John 15, 4 through 8, verse 4, Abide in me and I in you. These are the words of Jesus. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Now, Webster's Dictionary definition of the word abide means to remain, to continue, to stay, to dwell, to reside, to wait for. There's another definition that Webster has, to accept without opposition or question. To accept without opposition or question. The entire portion of Scripture from which Jesus is dealing with in this that I just read to you is one thing, productivity. Say that with me. Productivity. More specifically, our productivity in life as it relates to our relationship with Jesus. Now, when we think of the word fruit that is used in this verse, we mostly think of people being saved or spiritual fruit. It's certainly, that's the main impetus behind it. But this applies to every area of our lives. So that means God wants us to bear fruit in our relationships. God wants us to bear fruit in our in our possessions, in our jobs, in our businesses. God wants us to bear fruit in our marriages. God wants us to bear fruit with our children. I believe even in your hobbies, God wants you to bear fruit in anything that you do. Now, in this teaching, the word abide is used seven times. Everybody say seven times. Now, in the word of God, the number seven is a perfect number. It's God's perfect number. And it's interesting that the word abide in the New King James Version it's translated abide. The Greek word from which it's drawn is the same thing seven times. Now, I'm going to just walk through this from a teaching format just to make a deposit. I hope you're recording it. A pastor, I want you to have it so that you can kind of meditate on it, pray over it. If God does something with it, fine. If he doesn't, then I'll just leave this tonight. First of all, in verse 4, it says, abide in me and I in you. If you're taking notes tonight, the first thing you need to write down is number one, and right next to it, proper relationship. Everybody say proper relationship. Jesus established this teaching on productivity with abide in me and I in you. Now, many times when we look at that, we, 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 we heavily focus on abide in me. But the second part of that is an I in you. That's a reciprocal relationship. It's not a one-way relationship. It's reciprocal. But notice it says, you abide in me and I in you. In other words, God says, you first. Now, you see that principle all throughout the Word of God. 
the Bible teaches, you know, put first, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So what God says, you first, you go first. Now, when it comes to forgiveness of sins, Jesus died before while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's something we couldn't go first in. But once we become a child of God, then we can go first in any of the commands that God gives us, and then He will reciprocate. So this begins with proper relationship. Say it with me, proper relationship. He begins with laying the groundwork, the protocol, or the relationship dynamic in the very first statement. And our relationship with Jesus is to be two-way. Number two, write down the word production logistics. Production logistics. Every one of these are going to start with a P. Production logistics. Spell it any way you want to. I don't care. <laughs> Verse 4 and 5 is the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in the vine. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Hello, welcome to planet Earth. Without God, we can do nothing. Notice God says nothing. And you may say, well, I can do something, but God calls it nothing. What we do is nothing in God's eyes unless God is involved in it, and He is helping us to accomplish that in our life. You know, you can make a billion dollars, but if it's not in line with what God wants you to do, God looks at that and says, that's nothing. I have pure gold streets, sidewalks in my house. What you got? I have an endless supply. If I don't, if I don't have it, I can create it. So God, God is establishing the production protocols here. You can't do it without me. You can't accomplish it without me. Now, let's flip the coin. God, although God can do anything, He chooses not to do it without us. He wants our involvement. I don't know why, but He wants our involvement. He wants us to get involved with Him. That's why prayer is so important. That's why faith is so important. He wants us to be involved. He wants us to do something. God could have reached down to Goliath and thumped him on the head. It's over. He could have sent one angel down and he could just give him a neck chop and it's over. In fact, if the angel had manifested himself with his flaming sword, Goliath would probably have run and still be running today. He'd be somewhere in Siberia. But God chose to use a teenage boy. God chose to use somebody. He could have, he could have overwhelmed Pharaoh and said, let my people go. But he chose to get an old man in the desert who'd blown his destiny 40 years earlier and was wanted for first-degree murder to come back to that same court and said, God said, let my people go. I don't know why. But God chooses to use us. He wants to work together with us. He could have influenced the king against Mordecai. But he chose Esther and Haman. He could have used him and, and brought Mordecai up and, and, and brought Haman down. But he used a little beautiful girl named Esther to walk into the king's court and have favor. He used a prostitute by the name of Rahab. I could go on and on and on, but the point is this. God has a production protocol. You stay attached to me, in relationship with me, and we're going to do this thing together. If you don't, you can do nothing. 
Nothing, nothing, not a nit, nothing. It's not going to happen. Nothing. Number three, purging protocol. So production logistics. And number three is purging protocol. Verse six is anyone, if anyone does not abide in me, because we have a choice, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. So number three is purging protocol. God always has a purging process in our life. And usually before any dream is actualized, before any great achievements happen, there's usually a purging process that we go through. Many times there's a death process. Look at Joseph. As a young, young man, probably a teenager boy, he has a dream. He's going to be over his parents, over his brothers. They're going to be bowed down and worship him. Don't know how that's going to happen, but he was so excited about it, he shared everybody. And that really ruined all the family gatherings. Now his brothers hate him. And now he gets sold into slavery. And for approximately 14 years, he's in slavery and in prison for doing the right thing. But what was happening here, there was a purging going on. And God was getting out all the stuff that he didn't need and putting in all the stuff that he did need until one day he walked in Pharaoh's court. Pharaoh says, I heard you can, heard, heard you can, uh, you can interpret dreams, boy. He says, no, but my God can. Fourteen years early, he might have said, show up, I can do it, man. That's me. You got the right guy. You got the right guy. I can do it. I'll come on, somebody. I can do it. But he says, no, I can't. But my God can. And that day, he was promoted to prime minister. You know the rest of the story. He went through a purging process. God is into productivity. Can I say that? He is into productivity. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch. But now I want you to notice something. He didn't say they were cast out because they didn't produce fruit. They were cast out because they didn't abide. I can't, I can't overemphasize the importance of relationship with God, of the abiding aspect of that. And we're going to get to what that means in just a minute. Number four. Next thing I want you to write down is powerful promise. Now, each one of these is a sermon. I think you can mine out a lot in this, Pastor. Number four is powerful promise. Here it is, verse 7. If, everybody say if. if. Somebody said if is the biggest word in the English language. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. There's two things there, two criteria. If you abide in me, that's relationship. My words abide in you, the Bible. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Can I take a quick poll here today and ask how many people are living that scripture to the fullest? If you notice, I'm not raising my hand either. But I think this is doable because God never gives us a possibility without giving us the potential. God's not a teaser. He doesn't just put something in His Word to frustrate us and say, nah, just kidding. Sure, I'm ready. Are you crazy? I'm not going to answer all your prayers. I'm not going to give you all of what you desire. But Jesus said, if you abide in me 
and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Now, I spent most of my afternoon pulling this together, so I'm just going to share it with you like I feel like the Holy Spirit shared it with me, okay? I believe there are three positions of abiding. There could be more, Pastor, and they could be deeper than what I'm going to share with you tonight. If you abide in me, well, how in the world am I going to abide? Somebody sign me up, but tell me how. Jesus said to Jairus, if you can believe, all things are possible to those who believe. Well, that sounds wonderful, but explain to me how I can believe like that. Have you ever felt that way in your life? I mean, I'm just honest. I'm just like, okay, fine. Well, show me how to believe like that then, because I must not get, be believing. If all things are possible to those who believe, then I must have my believer adjusted wrong or something because I'm not seeing the all things. You never blame God when you don't see the answers to what His Word says. Never define God by your circumstances. Always define God by your, His Word. There are entire denominations and teachings and doctrines that are based on defining God by somebody's experience 400 years ago, and now they teach it as doctrine and the Word of God, and it's not the Bible at all. It's somebody's experience and somebody's failure to believe God. You can only define God by what His Word says about Him. That's it. Well, my experience doesn't line up with the Word. Well, welcome to planet Earth. But you can't take your experience and redefine God because if you do, you are recreating God in your image. The image of your experience. But Jesus said, if you'll abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you desire and I will do it. It will be done. Did Jesus have a prayer that was ever not answered? No. No. Never did have a prayer that wasn't answered. Can you imagine Elijah after praying it wouldn't rain it for three and a half years hadn't rained? Everybody's a hit, a hit out on him by the king. Everybody's trying to find him. And he challenges 400 prophets of Baal and brings the whole nation together, builds a tabernacle, pours 12 barrels of precious water on that thing. Can you imagine the work it took him? He killed a bull, cut that thing up, put it on there, built the altar, dug the ditch around it. And hey, if it hadn't rained for three and a half years, that ground is hard. I mean, think of the logistics on that. He didn't have a backhoe. He's out there with some wooden spade or something. I don't know how he got the thing done. And then filled it up with water. I'm telling you, you better have some connection if you got that going on. Everybody's watching him. The prophets of Baal watching him. Ahab's watching him. And he gets up there and he prays, Lord, as I've already talked to you about, now would be a good time. Send some fire. I, 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 can't, I can't help but believe that he went, thank you, Jesus. Let us over with. I believe there are three positions of abiding. Number one is struggling. This is trying to do the work in our own ability and our own resources. We're struggling. Oh, Jesus, I'm abiding in you. I believe in you. I have a relationship with you. I'm born again, saved, filled, the Holy Ghost, believe in the power of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But we're struggling. 
we're flailing with both hands and both legs and everything we've got to try to get it done. We're struggling. We're struggling. We're in our spirit. We're struggling. In our mind and our emotions, we're struggling. We don't have the peace of God. We've got, we're, 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 in a, we're in a work. Anybody knows what that is? You're in a work, man. You're just in a work, just in a work, like at a work, and your work is struggling, you're struggling, you're struggling. When you're in that, when you're in that season or that place, or that position rather, it's a position, that position of abiding, you can't help anybody else because you're struggling yourself. Can't impart to anyone else. You're trying in your own self, in your own works to get it done. Should we work? Should we do what we can? Should we use our resources? Absolutely. But there's a difference in utilizing what God has given us and struggling with all of that, trying to make something happen. Number two, and I'm just introducing this tonight, just introducing. The Lord gave me a list of some things to pray for tonight. We're going to get that in just a minute. The second position is clinging. Say that with me, clinging. Now, clinging is when you arrive at a safe or comfortable place for yourself but you're not able to help anybody else. You, you found a spot. You, 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 found a, you found a, it's just like a shipwreck. You, you, found a, you found part of the boat, and you, man, you've got legs and arms wrapped around it, and you're just hanging on. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's where, that's where probably, I, I don't know what the percentage is. God only knows. I'd just be, it'd be a very uneducated guess, but I would say the majority of churches in America today are in a clinging position. They have, they have a building paid for. They have some land. They have, they have the pastor they want. If they don't, they'll get another next year. And, and they're in a safe position. But they're not going to take any risks. They're not going to take any steps of faith. They're not going to reach out. They're not going to have any evangelistic outreaches. They're not going to get passionate. They're not going to have a Sunday night service. They're, 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 certainly, they're certainly not going to have testimonies. They're certainly not going to go to the hospital and walk in and pray in the Holy Ghost and the power of God and get a dead man raised to life again. They're certainly, certainly not going to do that because that's dangerous. I mean, what people think, and it might affect our clinging. Because we're comfortable here. We're clinging together. But when you're clinging, you can't help anybody else. And you can't move forward. Here's the third position. Position number three, I'm not going to spend much time on each one. And here's where we want to get to. Here, here, I believe, is where we want to get to and where the Lord wants us to get to. And the third position is resting. In this position, we're totally depending on God, and we are in a position to help others. That reflects back to another scripture where Jesus says, all you who are weary and heavy laden, Come to me, and you will find rest. Rest. Rest for your souls. When the highest level of abiding, or maybe the only good level, good position of abiding, the one that Jesus wants us in is a resting abiding. We are relaxed in Him. We are resting in Him. And because we're resting, we can reach out and help somebody else. We're in a position to help others because we're not, we're not we don't have anxiety. We're not struggling. We're not clinging. We're resting in that position. And when we're resting in the Lord, it doesn't mean that we're not doing anything. When the Bible says, wait on the Lord, 
doesn't mean we should stand around looking at the stars. When the Bible says in Ephesians, when you've done all to stand, stand, it doesn't mean we'll just stand there like some dummy until something happens. That's not what it means. It's an action verb that we continue to move forward in what God wants us to do in our calling, being progressive and proactive in everything that He wants us to do. So this is the same thing. Resting in the Lord doesn't mean we're not doing anything. It's more of a positional statement of relationship than it is an activity. When we think of resting, we think of sitting down, laying down, getting in a hammock, laying on the bed, getting an easy chair, I'm resting. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about a spiritual rest and a confidence in Him where you are yoked together with Him. In that same verse, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. How dare Jesus say that His burden is light when it's killing me? And there have been times I've been out there, oh, Jesus, I can't take it anymore. And then I go to that scripture, to, what do you mean your burden is light? Have you weighed this one lately? <laughs> and the problem is this. He didn't add weight to it. I added weight to it. I'm struggling. I'm not resting. I'm not yoked together with him. I'm trying to pull away from him. I grew up on, my, on a farm. My grandfather had, uh, had uh, always had a team of horses, mule, whatever. And anytime he get a young horse, he's breaking it to, to pull a wagon or, or whatever. And he'd put it with an old horse. And, and, and when you put, hook a team together, uh, the, 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 kind of the drawbar comes out of the wagon, and uh, they hook together, and, and then they're, they're hooked together. Now, they don't have a yoke like oxen do, but they're still, they're still hooked together where one affects the other. And a young horse is restless, uh, is just trying to pull and, 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 and move around while the old horse is just steady. And the young horses may stop and they may try to go forward and try to pull the other old horse until it gets so frustrated and tired till it just finally relaxes and just walks along with the old horse. My wife used to have a, we used to have quarter horses, and my wife had this beautiful red roan mare. And she was a reigning mare, if any of you all know anything about, uh, some of you. And uh, one year at the Indiana State Fair, she tied, um, uh, her horse tied the, the, the stallion, her horse was a mare, that won the, the AQHA uh, championship that year. Uh, in America, her horse tied him. They split the points, tied him at the Indiana State Fair. And uh, I could get on her, and man, she lay her ears back, and she was like, I'm ready for business, man. Rose get on her, and she'd just be like, what do you want to do? I could put both my little girls at that time, I mean, they were little. I could set them both on the saddle, take the reins and tie them around the saddle horn, put them out in the arena, and, and go do stuff. She would babysit them. Now, if you know anything about reining, it's a high-intensive uh, 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 thing that you, you do, do with horses. It's running and sliding and spinning around. And 
but she'd babysit my girls. She knew the difference. When I had a young horse to break, I would get on her, and I'd take the young horse, and I'd, I'd dally it around the horn, and that horse would try to rear up. She'd lay her ears back. She'd pull him around. She'd, I just kind of just sat on her, and she would, she would break him to lead by herself. Amazing horse. Sometimes we're like that young horse. And we get in the yoke and we want to pull this way and that way. And we got a, we got a fresh word and, and this is the new thing over here. And I got to do this and they built and I got to build and we got to do and we got and, I, and I've got to do this. And Jesus just pulling us around and we're like, Jesus, my burden is so heavy. And Jesus says, no, it's not. You're just so crazy. If you just calm down and rest in me, we're going to pull this thing together. My marriage is horrible. Rest in him and pull this thing together. I'm doing all I can do. Stop it. Rest in him. Rest. Rest. Develop that abide in him and he in us. Okay, let me wrap this up. You get anything? Number five is purpose. Here's the purpose. God has a purpose for everything. He starts with the end in mind. The purpose is verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Now, there's so much in that. I, but bearing fruit or being productive on our lives is, is a matter of connectivity. God, God wants us to be productive as I started this week. He wants us to be productive in every area of our lives. He's glorified in our productivity. He isn't glorified in churches' buildings being sold off and torn down. He's not glorified in maintenance. No, he's glorified when we're productive. He's glorified when we're productive in our lives. You know, there was a teaching one time in the church, probably still is in some areas, that that if if you if you really if you really love the Lord and and, and you you really saved, then you got to be poor. Got to be poor. Somebody forgot to tell Abraham that. Solomon certainly missed it. And David, who contributed billions in our money today to building the temple, yeah, he was totally out of the will of God. God's glorified when we are productive in life. Christians should be the greatest authors, the greatest painters, the greatest actors, the greatest dancers, the greatest business people, and pretty fair preachers. It should be. God is glorified when we are productive. Now, but, but there's something else there. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So being a disciple is connected to being productive. I'm going to leave that with you, Pastor. Connected to Jesus 
in relationship through the Holy Spirit is what makes it work. I want to back up to verse 26 of chapter 15, and I'm going to wrap it up with this. Verse 26 of chapter 15, Jesus, before he got into the fruit bearing and this part about abiding, he said this to them, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your, your remembrance all things that I said to you. Abiding really relates to a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it to his disciples, it's better for you that I go away. If I don't go, the promise of the Father won't, be, won't come. So he's given us the Holy Spirit to teach us about himself, to help us in every area. And the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. The Holy Spirit is a person, third person of the Trinity, that is here to help us, can be grieved, can be has motions, everything. And, and the more we understand the relationship that we can have with the Holy Spirit, to get up every morning and say, good morning, Holy Spirit, thank you today to, for helping me. Help me. There's a, there's, a, there's a prayer that I pray before I preach. There's a prayer I pray every day, Lord, purge my heart, my mind, and my motives. But that's on another vein. But I pray this. Father, trust me one more time with your word, your people, your presence, and your power. And I know that trust is measured, it's metered out. Holy Spirit, help me today. I belong to you. I'm an instrument in your hand. I got nothing. But I got a voice and a brain. Here it is. I'll do what you want me to do. The more intimate men and women, you want to be a man of God, you're going to have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The woman of God, same thing. To understand the power the dynamo of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And Jesus prefaced this teaching by saying, when the helper comes, he's going to help you do this. Father, I pray that you will seal this in the hearts of people tonight. Lord, I believe that tonight you wanted me to simply introduce this thought to the family. And I pray tonight, God, that you will continue, Holy Spirit, to bring revelation to the point to where other people, even Christians in other churches, will call people from this church and say, will you come pray? Because it seems like when you pray and you ask, God answers your prayers. I pray that there would be a unique revelation of abiding in this church family. And that people will be willing as you unpack this and reveal this, Lord, to pay the price of abiding. Because the reward far, far, far exceeds the price. In Jesus' name, may it be so. Have you received that prayer? Shout a big amen right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I want to finish tonight by praying for some needs. As I was finishing up this message, the Holy Spirit began to speak some things to me to pray for tonight. Now, I know we can pray a general prayer, pray for healing, pray for finances, and all that's and that's fine. You've already had a lot of prayer tonight, so I'm just going to make this real quick right now. But there are one, two, three, four, five, six things that the Lord gave me 
to pray for. I want to target those right now. If you have kidney problems of any kind, stand to your feet right now. Kidney problems of any kind, stand up real quick, real quick. We're going to make it quick. If you've got kidney problems of any kind, people are standing up right now. Yes. Anybody else, real quick. Doesn't matter what it is, but if you have kidney problems of any kind, okay. Okay, any, I got any believers here beside me tonight? You know, the Bible says those who believe will lay hands on the sick and recover. Would you stretch your hands toward those people right now? And if you're close to them, just reach up, put a hand on their shoulder there. Kidneys, be healed. Infections go. Kidneys that have been deteriorated through through disease of any kind, reverse that, I pray now, and create new cells. For every dysfunctional cell, I pray for a new cell to be placed there for a creative miracle right now and heal in Jesus' name. If there are people here with just one kidney, I pray God either cause that kidney to function at double its capacity or give them a creative miracle tonight and give them another kidney, I pray, in Jesus' name. Nothing's too hard for you. Nothing, nothing. Is there anything too hard for the Lord, the Word of God says? And no, nothing, nothing. We bless you. We thank you, Father. Heal in Jesus' name. Anybody here that has heart arrhythmia? Now, I know there are dozens of different things with the heart, but the Lord spoke specifically to me, heart arrhythmia. Irregular heartbeat. I want you to stand if you've got that of any kind in your life. Heart arrhythmia, just stand. Once again, people that are around them and others, just stretch your hands toward them. And those of you that are sitting here to pray in the Holy Ghost if you can. If you can't, just praise the Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I speak to those hearts right now in the authority of the name of Jesus. And I tell you tonight to beat normally. I tell you to come in line with the way you were created. Be healed. Any disease that has deteriorated muscle function or the electrical function of the heart, I pray for that to be reversed and healing to flow. Whatever is needed to restore correct heart rhythm, may it be so in Jesus' name, this very moment, be healed. We call you healed. We speak your word over them now. Be healed in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
Here's an unusual one. I know the Lord spoke it very clearly to me. Varicose veins. Now, women are not the only ones that have these. Men have them too, but varicose veins. I, I've been told they can be very painful. Does anybody has varicose veins? Just stand up all over the building right now. Pray for you. I don't know that the Lord has ever pointed that out to me to pray for, but he did this afternoon. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Once again, family, look around. Stretch your hands or lay hands on people. Let's believe the Lord right now. Now, Father, we need a creative healing miracle with this. The veins are already protruding. There's already, already cellular damage. So, Holy Spirit, we need creative, creative miracles for this. I thank you that you've already planned for that. You've allowed for it. And I call upon the power gifts of the Holy Spirit, the working of miracles. And I pray for release of the working of miracles right now to create new veins. Cause those veins to be made new. In Jesus' name. New new, new. Those of you who are praying around them begin to speak the word new. New, new, new in Jesus' name. New in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Migraine headaches. Migraine headaches. If you have any migraine headaches, have a problem with headaches, stand. Do you have it, Michael? Gather around him out there. Anybody else? Migraine headaches. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes ma'am. A lot of people with them. Can you stand? Or if you're able to stand, just stand right there where you are if you're able to stand. Stretch your hands toward them, family. Stretch your hands toward them. Jesus. Nothing much more painful than a migraine headache. I speak to any imbalance in the brain, any imbalance of, of, uh, of fluids. I speak to any heretical genetic dispositions anything inherited I speak to that in the name of Jesus come out and be gone and be healed right now may there be a cushion around the brain in every cell a shield a force shield against migraine headaches and the pain that it causes. Nerves, nerves, nerves be healed. Nerves be healed. Nerves be healed in Jesus' name. Nerves be healed.
before we before we pray for the next one, this sister right here, you sister, when you stood up, the Lord just uh, kind of gave me a promise for you. I quoted a scripture just a few moments ago. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? It's a rhetorical question in the Word of God, and God is making a point that there's nothing too hard for Him. You or your family have been going through some very hard things. And sometimes hardness causes us to get weary and wonder, is it ever going to get any better? You've even thought that, haven't you? Well, it's already better. I say it's already better. It's already better. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No, 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 no. I said, is there anything too hard for God? Father, that thing that has, has been a chronic issue, I pray that tonight its days are numbered, not weeks or months or years, its days are numbered. A resolve is coming, being released right now in the name of Jesus, in your way and your timing. Days, days, it's coming to an end. A resolve is coming in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Does that resonate in your heart, sister? You bear witness with that? Amen. Praise God. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Um, joint problems. Now, I'm not talking about you having problems rolling a doobie, okay? I know this is Alaska, okay? So. That's not the kind of joint problems I'm talking about. Arthritis, anything, stiff joints. I know Paul was stoned, but he wasn't stoned that way, all right? You say, how can you laugh when you're praying for people to be healed? Well, I'm not going to cry. Every time somebody was healed in the Bible, man, they jumped up and down, shouted and joyous. They were happy. They were happy. How many of you are in pain right now with joint, your joints? You're in, you're in pain, tangible pain. Just raise your hand right now. Those of you that are standing, okay. All right. Several of you right now are in pain. Father, stretch your hand. Family, stretch your hands toward them. Father, now you created these bodies, and you created them perfect. Jesus, you taught us to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's nobody in heaven with joint problems. Nobody in heaven with arthritis. Nobody in heaven with stiff knees, shoulders, or backs, or necks, or elbows, or ankles. So, Father, we're coming in agreement with you right now. And we pray your kingdom come now, this very moment, on earth, in Wasilla, in this building, in every body, as it is in heaven. Arthritis be gone, all other medical definitions of pain and disease, we take authority over you 
in the name of Jesus and pray now for a release. Let there be fluidity in every joint. Let there be strength where joints have been damaged. Those that have had joints damaged, knees damaged, hip damaged, shoulders, whatever, back damage. I pray now, Father, for healing in those joints, restoring structure, restoring nerves, restoring tendons, restoring blood flow in the name of Jesus right now. We thank you, we bless you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody here that was in pain a moment ago and you're not in pain now? Wait. You, one, two, three, four, five. Thank you. Let's give the Lord a great praise right now. There's one more thing I feel the Lord's directed me to pray for, and then I'm going to turn it to Pastor. If you have a liver problem of any kind, if you have liver problems of any kind, stand up to your feet. We're going to pray right now. Any problem, any kind. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Anyone else? We're going to pray quick. Okay. Stretch your hands toward these people. Yes, in the back too. Stretch your hands. Look around. Make sure that somebody's close to you. Stretch your hands toward them. Pray for them. Lay hands on them. Let's believe the Lord together. Yes. 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 Cleanse. Rejuvenate. I pray for new cells to grow, for, for diseased livers to be undiseased, to be disease-free. We declare disease-free zones in their liver right now. Disease go in Jesus' name. And healing flow, healing flow, healing flow, healing flow. Touch. God, restore complete function. Complete function. Complete function. Complete function of the liver in Jesus' name. Complete. Thank you, Lord. If you stood up for prayer just right now, just begin to say, thank you, Jesus, for a new liver. Just begin to thank him and praise him for a new liver. Just begin to thank him right now. Thank you. Lord, we thank you. Let's all together begin to thank God and praise Him right now. Father, we give you praise and honor and glory tonight. We worship you, King of kings and Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Our God in whom we trust. Continue just to lift up the name of the Lord. Come on, stretch your hands towards heaven. Let Him fill you. Let Him touch you right now all across this place. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God, don't you leave this place in that condition. The Lord loves you. He's got a plan for you. You're separated from that plan because of sin. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, I implore you, I plead with you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Be forgiven. That is why this church is here, to reach the lost. Everyone's lost who doesn't have Jesus. 
and to equip them, to, to teach them to abide, to teach them to, to grow, to be a disciple of Jesus. And if you're here and you're not right with God, if you've never been born again, you say, well, I'm not sure. If you can't remember when you were born again, you probably weren't. If you're here under the sound of my voice, those online, those here in the auditorium, and you're not right with God, do not leave this place. Don't turn off that computer, turn off that device. Don't leave this auditorium without being reconciled. There really is a place called hell. It was never created for you. It's to be shunned by us. But you must receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He died in your place. You deserve death if you've ever lied before, if you've ever stolen, if you've ever cheated, if you've ever taken the Lord's name in vain, if you ever lusted after everybody. But we just cleaned out everybody. All of us have done those things. We've all broken the Ten Commandments, all broken God's law, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift, the what? The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. You can't earn it. You have to receive it. His free gift, salvation. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You say, that's me, Pastor. I've never given my heart to Jesus. Well, you're going to do it now. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, you want to give your heart to Jesus tonight. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. You say, well, I, I used to live for the Lord. I used to serve God, but I've drifted away. We say it this way. God doesn't change. He doesn't move. So if you've drifted away, come home. Come back. Recommit. Sell out. Come back to Jesus. Recommit your life to Him. Let, it, let His blood wash you and make you new again. Recommit your life. On the count of three, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand as well. Thirdly, if you just want to be assured of your salvation, the devil lies to you, says you ain't saved. You know you're not a Christian. He lies to you. You want to be assured of your salvation on the count of three. You lift your hand also. Number one, you're going to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. Number two, you want to recommit your life because you've, you've drifted in your relationship. You've compromised maybe. You want to come home tonight. You want to sell out tonight. Number three, you just want to be assured of your salvation all across this place on the count of three intercessors pray. If that's you on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Do it right now. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. My, my, my. God bless you. I see that hand all the way in the back. Anybody else over on this left side here? God bless you. Praise God. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. I see that hand. If you're serious, you meant business with God. As soon as Minister Micah begins to sing, whether you raise your hand or not, you know you need to be included. You come out from where you're standing and meet me right here. Come on, we're going to pray together. Come on, come. Come on, others are coming with you. Come right here. Come as close to my hand as you can. Come on, jump. Want to get right with God? Want your sins forgiven? I'm not talking about joining our church. I'm talking about receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Come on, come. Come on, come right now. Lord, I give you. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I We're going to activate the evangelist within you. I want you to turn to your right or your left in just a moment and ask them, hey, if you died tonight, are you going to go to heaven? You say, well, that's a little uncomfortable. Well, it's bold, yeah. 
But if they already know the Lord, then I'll be like, oh, yeah, praise the Lord. And they'll be happy that you were bold that you asked. And if they're like, oh, I don't know. Well, then say, I'll go down with you. And if they say, no, don't worry about it. It's okay. We're sowing seeds. God, you belong to the Lord. Nobody forcing anybody to do anything here. But you might be the source of encouragement to bring somebody down here. Come on, activate that evangelist within you. Ready? One, two, three. Do it now. Ask them. Come on. Come on. You died tonight. Come on, I'll come down with you. I'll go with you. Come on, let's go down. Come on, come on. Come on. Sing it again, Minister Micah. No, come on. Come on. Lord, I give you my heart. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. I give you my soul. I live for you. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take. so I can get a hold of myself. Come on, sing one more time. People getting saved tonight. Come on. Come on. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take. Every moment I'm pray this prayer right out loud. You ready? Now pray this with all your heart and all sincerity before God. And when you do, and all eyes on me here, look, look at me. You pray this right out loud. And when you do, everything you've ever done wrong will be wiped out. The Bible says it throws it as far as the east is from the west. It goes in, in, the, in the sea of forgiveness. There's, there's no fishing. You can't go fishing there. Come on, repeat after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Come on, right out loud. Say, do I have to do it out loud? Yes, yes, it's important to do it out loud. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die in my place and to rise again for the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Lift your hands as a universal sign of surrender to the Lord. Holy Spirit, come and fill and touch. Break every chain. Break every bondage. Fill these with your precious Holy Spirit, giving them the gift of a, of a prayer language and baptism of the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in tongues. Holy Spirit, fill right now. Fill right now. Fill right now. In the name of Jesus. God, we thank you. Seal and fulfill all that you want to do in and through these lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. Pastor Vince, would you lead these beautiful people for just a few moments right down the center aisle? We'll just take a few moments of your time. We won't hold you long. we got a gift for you. Others are going with you. If we could have some more leaders to head out, please appreciate that. Put your hands together for these, won't you? Jim Hart. Come here, Jim. Jim and Susan, if you could head out there in just a second and help them, but you may be seated.
we have uh, we have a ministry called the, the the Lord's Army, right? The King's Army, pardon me. And uh, we're meeting every Tuesday. Tell us about that. We meet here every Tuesday at six thirty, and uh, we train to go out on the street and evangelize. We'll train in a lot of different areas, and we'd love to have you come out. Uh, so far. So far to this point, since Father's Day, we've had 512 decisions on the street. The power of God is real, and He lives in us, and we just go and love Him to life. And so we'd love to show you how we do it, but it really is all about Him and Him touching His people. And if you'll come, we'll show you, and you'll see what God will do in your life, because what you sow you will reap. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Jim. Jim, Susan, if you'd help us out there, appreciate that. Put your hands together for what God's doing in here. Wonderful. All right, ushers, would you help us? We're going to go ahead and give into the ministry of Pastor Gary Brothers. He who is wise wins souls. Just thrilled. I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of leading somebody to Jesus, but it's really part of a, a vibrant walk with the Lord. It's part of abiding. We have a guest speaker that comes through. He has a saying, so if it irritates you, don't get mad at me. But he says, if you don't share your faith with other people, you probably have the devil on you. Because who would walk past somebody who's actually going to hell and not share their love and share the love of God with them? I know that's pretty aggressive, but you know, for the longest time, I, I couldn't... I wouldn't share my faith with people because I was so wounded from being rejected by so many, so I couldn't muster the courage to do it. But God healed me. I started by I started by telling the people that Jesus loved them at stoplights in my uh, convertible Volkswagen Rabbit, Caltrans Orange, ugly car. My stereo system was worth more than my car was, but I would pull up to stoplights, and I've just shared this recently, but I'd, I'd say, excuse me, and I'd, the person would roll the window down next to me and say, um, yes, and I would time it just right so the light would go green, and then I would scream, Jesus loves you, and then I'd, and I'd take off, pop the clutch, and I'm gone. That's how I first started witnessing. I was a surfer, ushers, would you come? I was a surfer, so early on in my salvation, I was having a hard time with getting away from, you know, things that would stumble me, drugs and stuff like that. Surfers are known for, for that. And I would, trying to live for the Lord, and I'd paddle out into the lineup. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Get out into the waves, and there would always be somebody there that would offer me something to get me all messed up. And, I felt like the Lord said, son, if you'll just be a witness for me, I'll just take care of it all. And so I'd paddle out. When I was about 100 yards from the lineup, I'd just start praying, singing, and thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Oh, God, thank you, Jesus. It didn't come from a compassion to reach the surfers. It came from a desire to stay away from sin. But, but that changed for me, and I've become a soul winner over the years. I will tell you that there is nothing like winning somebody to Christ that sets your heart on fire. And some of you haven't done that before. Listen, no, no shame. 
Listen, if you're, if, you're, if you're three or four years old and you think a lot about unicorns, that's okay. If you're 35 and you think about unicorns, there's something weird with that. <laughs> there's no shame that you haven't done it, but now listen, I'm telling you, it, it's, you've got to add this to your Christian walk. If you haven't witnessed and, and won people to Jesus, tell people about Jesus. Come on, you can do it your own way. You don't have to be like something else or somebody else. You beat you. And there's relational witnessing, and, and then there's going out and doing street. But I'd encourage you, come Tuesday, be a part of that. Come on, let's see 512 go to 600. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Listen, I'm telling you, the, 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 goal, the goal for the year for the Assemblies of God is 2,500 people led to Christ for the state. I personally think that we could accomplish it here. And then the rest would just be bonus. You say, that's pretty arrogant. Yeah, no, it's, it's bold. It's 500 in a month, so I mean, what's what's 12 times 500? How many is that? That's 6,000 people, 12 times 500. That's 6,000 people led to Christ in the next year. Do you think we could do that? No, I think if more people catch on fire, we can see even more and more than that. Come on, that's why we're here. Somebody say hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for Pastor Gary Brothers and Pastor Rose and, and the powerful ministry that we've received tonight. We pray that you would bless the gift and the giver. Multiply it many, many, many times over. Thank you for the incredible ministry over 20 years into our state and into our lives here. Bless the gift and the giver in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, go ahead. It's the power of your presence that changes us your glory. doubling we're in the midst of doubling again would you continue to pray for our building project this week and we'll hope to see you wednesday i'll be preaching revival will continue be a part of that again youth you can still register you can still be in that camp this week children's camp the following week be a part of that plug in and be a part of experiencing life together with people with power and passion purpose come on god is good amen it's got a great plan. Let me close and just bless you. We do, uh, Minister Ava, do we have teams tonight?
good. We have prophetic teams and prayer teams that are here. And if you'd begin to come, if you'd like a, a word from the Lord, these have been trained uh, in prophetic presbytery and, uh, and prayer. So they're coming right now to come and fill line, line up up front. If you want prayer here in just a moment, you come and get in front of one of these folks, one of these teams. They'll pray and prophesy over you. You bring something to record that, won't you? Let me bless you. Service is concluded. Father, thank you for what you've done. Bless your people, cause your face to shine upon us, God. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us, Lord. Keep us. Help us to abide. Give us peace and use us for the purpose for which we were created. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Praise the Lord.